You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. I am sitting here with my friend Molly Taylor, and we are laughing a lot because we have to keep restarting the (laughs) the podcast because different crazy things are happening outside and stuff. But Molly is a really cool musician and songwriter and jewelry maker, and she is here to talk a little bit about what she does in her creative processes. Hi, guys. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I'm Molly Taylor, and uh, I like to be creative. Yeah. 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 I play music and uh, make jewelry. You're doing the thing. You're living the dream. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, well, so I met you, I still don't even really know how I met you, we just kind of did, one day we were Facebook friends, and then the next thing we were photographing stuff together, because uh, you had an album release party a couple years ago, and mm-hmm. then it became known to me that you were a really cool jewelry maker as well, so you're kind of just all over the Baton Rouge creative scene, it seems like. I mean, yeah, you know, working on it for uh, 10 years now, it's definitely grown a lot, like the creative Baton Rouge is like a creative community has just like skyrocketed yeah. over the years. It seems like that because I mean I've only really been a part of it since graduating from college four years ago. It was probably around while I was in college, I just wasn't aware. But even since I graduated, it seems like things have really blossomed around here. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I feel like the makers movement and the, you know people wanting to you know do their hobbies at home and take them actually and make them a business and mm-hmm. try to you know do your own thing is yeah. really inspiring. I love that. Well, and you've done that. So how did you start doing that? Well, I don't know. I feel like I've always just kind of done what I want. Yeah. You know? Well, that makes you an ideal candidate for this podcast. <laughs> do you want <laughs> podcast, guys? Yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit about how you got into making jewelry because you have very specific jewelry style too. It's not just like your run-of-the-mill like jewelry making. It's It's wooden jewelry by hand. So tell me a little bit about how you got into that. Well, it uh, was four years ago in December, and I was so broke, I was like, how am I going to afford Christmas presents? Stress level 10. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, I was dating this guy who, you know, was a woodworker, and he had a wood shop, and I went down there, and I just started messing around with some scraps that I found lying around, and boom, Beneath the Bark was founded, and four years going strong, full time, I have employees, and... So you're making all the jewelry by hand? 100% handmade. Uh, yeah. Tell me how to even do that. <laughs> like, how do you take a piece of wood and make earrings out of it or something? Lots of trial and error. Yeah. I tell you, it's like the amount of times that I have like, exper- like experimented and tried this, you know, gone here is just... I look back on, like, my first pieces, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I have some hanging up uh-huh. in, the, in the shop just for, like, inspiration whenever, I, like, I just look over, and I'm like, okay, I've, I've come a long way, you well, know? So what made you decide you wanted to do it out of wood? Just because you had the shop and you were dating a, a guy that worked with wood? Or you had seen wooden jewelry before and liked it? I've never seen wooden, like, I mean, I saw wooden jewelry, but right. I didn't, like, really think. I never in a million years thought I was going to be a jewelry maker, mm-hmm. you know, like, I just didn't ever think that that was going to be what I did. And it just fell in my lap. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Well, it's a very popular line, especially around here. I feel like I'm always seeing people wearing your, your jewelry, and every time I wear it, like, I do get compliments. And I think it's really interesting and fun to talk about how, oh, this girl locally makes it, like, by hand. So tell me a little bit about, like, the the growth that you've seen in your business since you've started it. 
Well, I mean, when I first started it, you know, I was bartending full-time and, you know, playing music, Mm -hmm. uh, too. But, you know, slowly, you know, over the last four years, it's getting to the point where, like, you know, it is Mm full-time. It is a full-time business. I mean, I'm devoting, like, 60-plus hours a week to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I wake up and I work. Like every day and it's like whenever you own your own business it's hard to like take a break oh yeah it's hard to like know when your day off should be because you are constantly always because you enjoy doing it too and so it blurs the lines of what is business what is fun exactly because I'm like there is no in between you know I love it I like to do it and I want to do it right well tell me a little bit about your music stuff too so you are a musician and a really really talented one I should add and I interviewed you for my blog that is now non-existent a couple of years ago about your music, and, and you've since done a lot of cool stuff with that, too. So tell me a little bit about, like, the style of music you play and, like, what you play and what you do. Well, uh, I started playing music when I was a little teen and a tween, if you will. <laughs> Lizzie McGuire days. Yes, Lizzie McGuire days for sure. Definitely had the hairbrush. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone. Um... You know, I'm, I don't know, just a songwriter. I, you know, I write my own music and I uh, play piano and guitar and, uh, and definitely, sing. Uh, yeah, and I sing. And it's, you You're know, good. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. And I uh, just teamed up with Denton Hatcher and we, you know, we started going on the road and playing shows and uh, we've been going out pretty much every weekend playing, you know, different out of state gigs and it's awesome. I love it. So, how do you balance the jewelry making business with the musician side of you? I'm figuring that out. <laughs> it's uh, it's you know basically like I have to like schedule it out. I'm, right. Like, I'm realizing like okay, I actually have to make a full on like day to day, hour to hour schedule mm-hmm. to get this done. So, do you find that playing music and making jewelry fulfills you, or it stresses you out now that it's kind of job related? Um, I definitely feel like it fulfills me more than stresses me out. I do get stressed. Obviously, everyone gets stressed, but, you know, I feel so amazing that I get to just do what I want every day. Yeah. Like, the fact that I'm a little stressed out about doing what I want is amazing. Right, right, because it's like you can complain all you want about your current situation, but at the end of the day, you're like, oh, well, I... I'm not working for anyone else, which is kind of nice. So at the end of the day, like, my problems are still small compared to what they would be if I was doing something I didn't like doing. Uh, I could totally understand that. So didn't you tell me that you sang the national anthem at, like, the Hornets game or something when you were in middle (laughs) school? (laughs) Another tween moment. I want to hear about all that. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, auditioned when I was, like, 15 to... uh, to do the national anthem at the Hornets game and they accepted me and I went and sang the national anthem. I really need to see a video of this if it exists. Oh my gosh, I was like before I had braces, I was like a little 80 pound (laughs) child with like, I think my mom dressed me in like a fur, like collar or something, like a fur (laughs) coat on or something, I don't know. Well so, getting from that point to the point where you are now tell me a little bit about that journey <laughs> it was just you know I've always like music has always been my thing yeah you know I've always loved doing it that was an amazing moment being 15 and singing the national anthem at, at a, a basketball game at yeah. a freaking national basketball game so that was pretty cool but uh yeah I don't know it's just I've definitely grown so much you know you just all you you grow as a person in general but, yeah you know it's just nice and, to look back and see where you've gone and then where you are now and where you could go were you always writing songs that young, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I started writing at, like, 11. Yeah, I, th- I feel like 
it was whenever maybe I interviewed you before we talked about I remember you talking about how like your ideal situation was to like be a songwriter for yeah. other people is that yeah. still like a oh yeah I would love to write songs for people I love writing music right you know whether it's for me or for someone else you know I love being a writer and a designer yeah well I think that's interesting because you're designing jewelry and you're writing songs they're both different like extremely different but then there's a lot of overlap too like what are yeah. some of the things that overlap in both of those mediums do you think well I mean I think just being a creative in general like uh, being able to be inspired being able to be inspired like if I'm making jewelry I get inspired for a song oh you know? so it's like it goes hand in hand it goes hand in hand so I mean I could just sit there and start humming something while I'm making something or yeah. feel this way or get ideas from you know just listening to music and picturing what that person would wear they were singing, the, you know, listening yeah. to this song and thinking about the artist and, you know, oh, what would she wear? Well, I feel like just working with you doing photography stuff, you've always had a really strong creative direction for, like, yourself or your business. Yeah. Like, you supply the models and you, you make sure they're wearing what you want them to wear. And, like, you're very much, like, a, a stylist and producer and creative director and business owner all in one, which I think is kind of fun because, like, you have, like such a vision for yourself and for your, your jewelry brand and I've always meshed with that a lot because we have a lot of the same aesthetic like yeah. styles and stuff but um, I think that's really cool that you know kind of what you want to do like your direction you want to go yeah I feel like I definitely know exactly what I want yeah I feel like I've always known exactly what I want you kind of have to yeah and sometimes if you don't know you just have to look and research a bunch of other people until you find out. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know, you already know, until like you realize someone else is kind yeah. of doing it, and you're like, oh, that's kind of what I want to do. Yeah, it's all about personal growth and figuring out, exactly, like, figuring out what you want, who you are, and what you stand for. Yeah. That was super eloquent. Look at you. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, tell me a little bit about your current branding for Beneath the Bark. So, I definitely want to, like, I love, you know, like the 70s vibes, yes. you know. which is why we go, That's why we go well together. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I love the whole look of just being free and just mm -hmm. everybody's having a good time. And, like, when you put the jewelry on, you just want to smile. Is that what you want your, your customers to feel when they wear the jewelry? Yeah, I want them to feel like I'm wearing something that was made for me. Yeah, well, it kind of was because you're it doing was. it handmade. Yeah, yeah. it is. So. Yeah, so don't you... Um, name certain pieces after people? I do. So, um, I've designed a few with people in the, you know, or the people to, I'll design it and the first person to buy it, I'll name it after them. Okay. Or, That's know. a really cool business quirk. So it's almost like it's a commissioned piece, even if it's not, cause then it ends up being like yeah. available to other people too, but it's nice. And I'll always like, when I look at that piece, the, their names always, and their, their face always pops up mm -hmm. too, whenever I see it. What were some of the responses from people after doing that? Like, uh, I've definitely got a more personal uh, take on the business, uh -huh. like having people feel, you know, because like I want it, it. Because yeah. they are. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be where I am without them. Beneath the Bark would be nothing if it wasn't for the customers. Right. Right. You'd just be making them for your friends and family for Christmas stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, so how did that grow then? So you made things for your friends and family for Christmas presents, and then from there was everyone just like, oh, my friend made this for me, check her out. And then you started getting orders that way? It was that and the power of social media. I mm -hmm. mean, I posted a picture on my Instagram, and then uh, a store downtown wanted to hold, like have it in their store. I mean, like, so 
I posted that I, hey, there's some wood jewelry I made. And then this woman was like, hey, why don't you come put it in here? And I was like, oh, could this be something? Yeah. So how did you learn how to scale it from there? Uh, trial and error. Yeah, just making it and seeing who making wants it. Making it, see who wants it, coming up with different things, just really just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Throwing everything I had to give out there and seeing what took. How do you deal with inventory and stuff, knowing that it's something that you, you're not necessarily ordering because you're making it yourself? How do you deal with inventory? Are you already making lots of stuff to keep on hand, or are you just kind of going based order to order? I wish I had the time to, like, stock Mm-hmm. super stock on inventory um, that is something that I'm definitely learning and trying to figure out uh, but right now it's like it's just such a long process like the process of making just one piece I mean it takes about a week yeah you know just for one little piece and some some earrings have 10 pieces on them that's pretty incredible because I wouldn't I mean if I had a piece of wood and like a, a saw, it wouldn't. It wouldn't turn into jewelry. It would not be a very cute thing. And so I can only imagine how long it would take me to figure that out. And someone like you, who's skilled, if it's still taking you a week to do, that just shows how much like effort and personalization you put into each piece you make. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the. I'm. The more you put into a piece, and the more love and, you know, you put into it, the more it's gonna shine. Yeah, well, and the more you can charge for it, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. <laughs> tell, I mean, logistically speaking, the longer yeah. you take and yeah. the, the more love you put into it, like, the more valuable it becomes. Yeah. Um, so how what is, like, this process from start to finish of making, like, one of your necklaces or something? Uh, well, definitely uh, it starts with my head. i got to figure out, you know, creatively what I want it to look like. Um, and then... I just go from there. I'll take, like, a just scrap wood mm-hmm. that I have and then just trace. I usually, like, trace it out with my hand, like, the design, mm-hmm. and then I'll go from there, like, cutting it out and everything. Are you using, like, a, forgive my, my tool knowledge, <laughs> like, is it a jigsaw? Is that the, the uh, thing? I use a bandsaw and uh, some sanders and, uh... You sound yeah. so, like... Hardcore, you're like, yeah, use some sanders. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, use some sanders. My brother is pretty, um well-versed in, like, the shop. Like, he's very handy, and he makes, like, leather things and and builds things and bookcases. I don't even know. So (laughs) any limited knowledge I have is from just, like, being in the garage when he's making something, but your stuff is so much smaller. Like, he's making, like, a bookshelf, and you're making, like, this dainty, like, medallion earring or something. Like, I just don't even understand how you're cutting things out without, like, screwing it up or, like, cutting a finger off. So very lucky I haven't done that yet. Knock on wood. That will never happen. Man, that's scary. So, because you're, like, this is not, you're not, like, some dainty jewelry maker, like, in, like, a penthouse somewhere. Like, you're, like, in the shop, like, yeah. sweating in your muscle tea, like. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, like, the smaller the piece, the harder it is. Yeah. So. I can only imagine. Definitely risk these hands every day. How are you deciding which wood to do stuff on? Uh, it just depends. Like, really, I, I kind of just see it already. So, I, like, if I have this piece that I want, then I, like, I really like it with this kind of wood. Or I'll look at the wood physically and, like, look at the lines and the mm-hmm. grain and see which part of the piece that I want the jewelry to be on because that all matters too. yeah well because you have like different grains and, and designs on some mm-hmm. of the pieces where are you getting your wood from and do you have a favorite type that you work with uh, I definitely love pecan uh, the spalting is just beautiful it's very unique um, but I've been very lucky because locally woodworkers in Baton Rouge have just you know given me their scraps or let me go dig through their pile 
you know. Because your pieces are so much smaller that you can use the scraps, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's cool. That's economically beneficial, right? Because yeah. are you having to pay for any of the wood? Um, I have to pay for some wood. Um, I'm about to have to do a run soon because I'm running out of a few pieces. Um, but so far, I mean, I've just been very lucky to, like, have a strong Baton Rouge community yeah. where we can just work together, you know? Well, that seems pretty sustain- sustainable because they have to get rid of the wood and you need it. So yeah, that recycling. Works. Go yeah. you guys. <laughs> well, how do you get your clasps and your chains and all that? Um, so I get it from, you know... I have a source in Florida, um, and then usually just, like, you know, getting it from, like, chain supply stores and stuff like that. And you're just, like, hand-doing that, too, like, with pliers and all that jazz? Everything's handmade. I have zero patience for that. Props to to you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can you give me an example of a time where something, like, didn't go as planned with the jewelry? So many, like, breakdowns. I've had, like, meltdowns. Yes. Yeah. Like, I have gotten to the last part, like, putting the, like assembling the necklace and it, like something will go wrong and because it, it, it's so fragile you know mm-hmm. like this is you know and so it's like oh no so what do you do then cry and then yes. figure it out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the story of my life <laughs> I get frustrated cry and then come back to it now later yeah and I have then to figure like, it out <laughs> take a step back have a moment so is then... that when you go switch to music yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I can see how that like goes hand in hand. Like even if you have employees, you don't even need therapy. You just can sing for them or something in between. I definitely have to go. I can't do all. I have to like switch. Yeah, because I'll go crazy. Yeah. So I guess switching to music stuff. What is your songwriting process like? Uh, it's definitely therapeutic. I yeah. definitely write uh, how I'm feeling, what I'm feeling. I don't. When I write a song, it's kind of just comes out. I don't really, uh, I'd love, I try to sit down and like, okay, I'm going to write a song right now. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've done that a few times, but usually I just. It's like stream of consciousness where you're yeah, at the piano and just doing it. Yeah. So do you have to like record yourself with your phone or something to write, like to keep record of what you even just made up? I do. Um, if I'm like messing around with something, I always hit record. Mm-hmm. Um, do I ever listen to it? No, because like, <laughs> as soon as it's like recorded, it's kind of in my brain too. That's interesting that you say that. I feel that way about notes. Like I have notebooks, and I've always written lots of stuff down, but I never go back and look at it. Yeah. Like I could never do a diary, but like I would. I mean, I have notebooks on notebooks where I think something's cool so I write it down or I hear a quote or I get an idea or I write a to-do list but I will literally never go back and look at it yeah. I don't know why I have to write it then it's so interesting too though to take a day and go through it I'd be scared uh, it's very scary like the, the, these voice memos that I have recorded on my phone good great <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know but I guess that's the only way that you have documentation of what like like, it's in these photography, like, it's documentation. Like, it yeah. is it is kind of cool to be like, I did this four years ago on that day. And so, do you ever get, like, re-inspired by going back and looking through things? Or finding old pieces of ideas that you couldn't put together at the time? Absolutely. There is, um, it's actually so crazy because, and I don't know if this has happened to you, but, I'm like, I'll write a song, and it has nothing to do with the time of my life at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a year later, the song will just come out. But for that part of my life that it happened, it's so you're so psychic. Crazy. You're basically so. it's like reverse deja vu. Yeah, <laughs> like I'll write like okay. For instance, I wrote a song. Um, it's called "Don't Leave Me Hanging Around," and I wrote it 
um, a year ago. And then six months from then, I actually used it therapeutically for the exact situation situation that I was in. And I That's had, bizarre. It's almost like you can preempt what's going to happen to you in your life. Maybe well, you're psychic. I hope so. Molly, you might be psychic. <laughs> what I want for my future is uh, pretty bright. That's that's interesting. Well, I've I've definitely had ideas that didn't make the cut at the time that I keep hanging around for future things, and I might come upon them again and be like, oh, this was that idea. Or even, like, talking about, like, groove slang. So groove slang, I've talked about on the podcast before, was a blog I tried to start where I wanted to spotlight local artists and creatives and, like, great put music segment. stuff on there, and it didn't really take off because I didn't feel confident putting my energy into it because I had put my confidence and energy into like the brand at Jordan Heffler which is just me and my photography well it's come full circle now because this podcast is essentially what I had in mind for that blog just years later and on a different platform but it's like the same concept and the same intention yeah so it's kind of crazy how it's like well I guess it wasn't a failure because it was like a stepping stone for something else but yeah either way it's nothing just sitting is there. a failure only a learning thing I think says? Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true, <laughs> for sure. Learning curve? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what are some learning curves that you've had with music, you know, the music oh, industry gosh. or the jewelry making? It's a super vague question, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, it's just, I feel like in general, like, the older you get and, mm-hmm. like, the more experiences you have, the more you learn. And, you know, looking back at 18-year-old Molly playing, you know, a songwriter round. And being, like, so nervous, you know, or now learning a 28-year-old Molly who doesn't think that way at all. Yeah. It's very interesting, you know, just learning. You always are learning. You never stop learning. So if you think you know it all, you don't. That's true. I find that that happens to me, like, within, like, even as short as, like, a month. Like, a month ago I might I might hate the photos I took a month ago for someone because I've already learned so much like in a month do you know it's crazy how short of a time span it can even be to where or even like what I was freaking out over last week like I'm already like not even worried about it anymore yeah it's hard too as a creative to like not over analyze your work because Mm -hmm. it happens to me so much like just like you said like I'll write a song and love it and be all about it and then a month like later I'm like oh, wow, like, I still love the song, but I'm kind of over. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like I've grown. Right. Yeah. Or, like, I'm like, ugh, like, why did I put that out? Like, what yeah. was I thinking? I was so proud and <laughs> confident at the time, but now I'm like, this is terrible. Like, ugh. and it's not even that long after, and sometimes I'm just like, I shouldn't have done that, but. I know, it's so interesting, though, like, how, like, you're always growing. You're always learning, and, I mean, if you want, if you want to grow and learn, you can always grow and learn. Yeah. I've always said you can do anything you want, anything at all. Like, you can do it. Like, it's just yeah. plain and simple. If you want to do this, go do it. You can. Anything is possible. Um, well, I think you've proven that. And, I mean, like, I don't want to get too, like, personal with you, but, like, how is it, like, from, like, a financial standpoint doing, like, trying to figure out your business and doing music and, and doing it all on your own? Because, I mean, I know I've struggled with that on my end, like, with my business, so I can only mm-hmm. imagine it's the same for most creatives. But, like, have you had to deal with learning that side of things with the business side? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm still learning that. Um, I am a definitely live-in-the-moment type of gal. <laughs> and uh, I am always like, oh, whatever, like, you know. And also, you know, I'm have a service industry background so like when I first started making jewelry I was bartending full time 
you know, and so I was always making the money and paying my bills that way, but, like, always putting my creative side kind of, like, when I got home or, you know, right before, that's why I was working so much, because I was just squeezing any creative time I had in between Mm -hmm. going to work, and um, now it's, you know, I'm I'm doing it full time, and it's, I'm able to survive and pay my bills and, and be fine with stuff that I'm doing, and it's like, it feels so good. It feels so good. And it's scary. It's a gamble. Yeah. I was going to say, does it stress you out because it's like an order-based or product-based business? Like, does it stress you out, like, having to to know that, you, what if you don't get an order next week or next month? Or what if you get 10 orders and you can't, like, you don't have time to fulfill it or that kind of thing? It's very scary, and it's, you know, it's a gamble. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to have any sales the next month. But you just have to... Go out there and get some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's, like, the number one question I get from people is, like, how did you know when it was time to do stuff full-time? And I'm, like, they're really, I mean, there's not necessarily, like, a specific breaking point that'll happen, I feel like. I know for me, like, when I was working full-time in the nonprofit world, what I was making in, like, two or three hours of doing photography shooting was what I was making, like, in a week at that job. And that's when I was, like, trying to figure out, well if I had more time to devote to this, then I could make more. But it's, like you said, it's a gamble. And that's what I say then. But then, like, a month after I quit the full-time job, I had a neck surgery, and I couldn't shoot for eight weeks. So it's like you never really know. Like, And it it, it can be scary, but you kind of have to have that confidence in yourself and and know that if enough people around you are willing to support you and buy your product, then, like, that's at least a start. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I guess with what you're doing, too, it's – it's like a it's a service and a product because musicianship is a service based thing. I guess there's a product too because if it's like you're selling an album or something. But yeah. but with the the jewelry, that's got to be interesting. Where it's like you just hope people want to buy your thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just have to make a good product, put yourself out there, and hope that it takes off. And if it doesn't, then force them to like it or <laughs> shove it down their throat. No, that, no, I'm that's, no that's true though because it's it's <laughs> when you're in this for the the full-time long haul like there's no like excuse for like oh it didn't happen this way. I mean there's slow months and slow seasons but like when you're like survival is tied to it like it makes it so much harder to fail. Yes. So I don't or feel like you're failing. Yeah, and I don't think people think about it that way because people who are thinking about that haven't taken the leap yet so they're just afraid and they don't know once you've taken the leap like you literally like will not fail because you can't because if you do you don't get to pay rent and you don't eat and so you kind of like your fight or flight instinct kicks in so like you're gonna make it happen so either you're gonna manifest it happen or you're gonna like go outside and yell at everyone to hire you until they do and because you lose all um like, you're kind of sheepish and embarrassed at first, or if you're doing it part-time, and you're like, I don't know if I should get money for this, or I don't know. But once you're doing it full-time, like, you lose... You're not embarrassed anymore. You're like, no, hire me, because like, I have to do it. Do yeah. I. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm in survival mode. Like, I got exactly. bills to pay. So I this feel like... To, this has to work. It's hard to explain that to people who haven't done it yet, but um, I don't think it's something to be as scared at, because, like, if you have confidence in yourself, like, you literally aren't going to let yourself fail, because you can't. Um, you know, You know what's scary? not doing what you want and then looking back and saying dang I really wish that I did what I wanted that's so true that's so true because you always hear people 
I think it's more so in the generation above us, too. We're in this generation now where a lot of us are self-employed or mm-hmm. have some sort of side hustle. Um, and the generation above us and just even above that, like, they, that's not how they were raised. Like, there's, I mean, there's business owners, but it's not, like, in the same sense of what we have and how we have, like, the digital market to really use to our advantage. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. And so a lot of them, I feel like, are the ones that are now, like, in their 60s or so, and they're like, man, I would have done I like doing what you do but I never thought about doing it full time because it wasn't really an option or like it wasn't popular and I think our whole generation is like flipping that on its head because everyone's like self-employed or everyone's realizing like I can do that cheaper and more efficiently and I can start up today because I have the internet yeah I mean you could do anything you want yeah I mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm really introspective today which is why I'm like taking a long time to respond to you um, I'm kind of sleepy as well. That's why. <laughs> um, so how do you strive to stay authentic with what you do? Um, you know, I really don't, like, I just always just stay true to myself. You know, my aesthetic and my beliefs and, like, you know, what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I just stay true to yourself. You always just... Stay true to yourself. That's yeah. all I can say. You make jewelry that you like and write songs that you like. Yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> the jewelry that I make, it's because I like and what I would wear. You know, it's like, of course, you know, I go for what my customers want too. But, you know, you're cre- when you're creative, you're kind of sharing yourself. You're kind of cutting a little piece of your cake yeah. off for everyone to have a slice. You know, so yeah. it's like, uh, what I want, you know, my cake to be is what who I am. Yeah. You know? And it's... It's a hard balance to figure out what the client wants versus what you want, and I think that's always, like, the biggest struggle yeah. is trying to keep that, like, somewhere in the middle because it's, it's rare, like, someone like you, like, you and I have a very similar vision for things, but mm-hmm. not every person that hires me wants stuff like that. And yeah. so trying to bend yourself just enough to where you're able to get paid and feel proud enough to put your name on it but not, like... Yeah, it's definitely it's a hard. tough... Um, that's like a yeah. It's a weird thing, but it's just it kind of is what it is, and it kind of goes with, you know. You're always going, you're always going to have something like that. Yeah, you, know, you just gotta roll with the punches because this is what you signed up for. Yeah, and I think that differentiates art for art's sake versus business, because mm-hmm. um, people can make art all they want, and there's no, there's no one stopping you. You can mm-hmm. write the songs you want, you can make the jewelry you want, you can take the photos you want, whatever. But once someone is in the equation where they're going to pay you for it, that's when you kind of have to make the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get their egos in the way and it's um, it's too much about like, well, this isn't what I do or that's not what I like. And it's easy to fall into that. And I fall into that a lot too. And I think every creative goes through like a phase where they're like, I'm not doing that because that's not on brand or that's not for me. But then at the end of the day, you're still a business. And so you still have to kind of cater to the customer, yeah. whether or not it's what you want to do. And I think the goal is to become established enough to where you can say no to those types of things without it hurting your your wallet yeah um and some of us aren't quite there yet (laughs) and so we have to do things that we don't really necessarily love or feel like is a good representation of ourselves until then but you're getting paid for it so it's okay kind of you know yeah I mean I feel like you know I feel like in the beginning there's always going to be things that you wish were different or that you know ah you know I really don't want to do this. I don't want my name on that. Um, and yeah, you know, sometimes you can bite the bullet and say, no, you know what? I don't believe in that and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have my name on that. I'm not going to, that's not what I stand for. And 
there's other times where, you know, you might have a $500 credit card bill and you need to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I will be, you know, your girl. Yeah. And I think that's, <laughs> that's also the, the beauty of having a flexible career path, like solopreneurs, because it can differ. Like maybe this month I'm doing okay. And I'm like, no, don't need to do it. But maybe next month I'm hurting and I'm like, sure, I will do yeah. this, this, and this, and this for you. And I just don't. See, I don't that advertise all falls doing into that. Just doing what you want, right? It totally does, which is kind yeah. of the whole point of all this. And, yeah, do what you want. And people love to ask those questions, and I wrestle with those ideas a lot because sometimes I find myself in a situation where I'm like, "This sucks. Like, I'm not having fun. I don't like these photos. I'm not going to use them on my website. I don't like the client. I'm not interested." But I'm like, "But they're paying me." But then there's other months where I'm like, "You know what? All those things I said I wouldn't do again. Maybe I'll do it this month for this person because I'm in a bind," and like what's it going to hurt, you know? Yeah. So it's hard to... I mean, a, a, like, I, it's so hard to say this because it's like I'm so teeter-tottering on it. You know, you need money to survive. I can't stand money. I wish we didn't need money because it just is, like, the root of all evil. But, you know, you, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Point, You know, period, mm-hmm. point blank. If you have to go and get this job, this small odd job to make money to pay your bills and keep the lights on, you have to do it. Does it represent you as a person? No. Is the job going to last forever? No. Nothing is permanent. If you have to go and do something to make money to survive so that you can fund what you really want to do, that's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel like you, oh, like something's permanent like if I go get this job then I'm never going to be able to do what I want because you can you just have to save up for it yeah I think that's a a topic that a lot of people wanted me to talk about on here and I wanted to make sure I interviewed lots of people from different backgrounds people who work at corporate jobs that like what they do people who left their corporate jobs to do what they wanted to do people who worked for themselves then went back to a job or or whether or not it's corporate or part-time whatever I just wanted kind of opinions on all of it because I don't think I think people put too much pressure on like I need to work for myself and make six figures and it's like that's a lot harder than it sounds and I'm not there so yeah (laughs) um and so I think that it's it's like you said it's not an embarrassing thing to have to do things you don't want to do every now and then to make yeah. some money because that's just how the world works but at the end of the day like as long as you're still putting effort into what you do want to do and that dream's not dying then if nothing else it's just helping you and it's another learning experience to learn maybe a different skill or a trade and you might end up loving that thing and then who knows you might end up wanting to go into that full time you have no idea yeah I mean like I said before you know jewelry kind of just fell in my lap and I never in a million years thought that I was going to you know be a jewelry maker or a designer or own my own business mm-hmm. You know, I never thought that, and I love it. I'm so happy it's happened. But you can't, basically what I'm saying is you can't plan for something that's non-existent. Right. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, and you're making it up as you go every day, like everyone is. So just saying yes sometimes can be a positive thing on your path. You know, I was uh, looking one day, like about a month ago, I was like, really upset I was like a meltdown day (laughs) (laughs) meltdown moment and uh I was upset I called my mom I had to vent to her and then I got an email and I got invited to New York Fashion Week yes okay I wanted to ask you about that so first of all congratulations second of all it's funny how those things happen I have all these stories just like that where it's like totally a manifestation thing where it's like you put it into the universe and then it came right back at you yeah and 
three. I want to hear about it. So tell me about it. <laughs> um, it's crazy. I cannot believe it's happening. I almost like still need to be pinched. Um, I got an email. They invited me to New York Fashion Week, and I will be having my own collection run down the runway. They're not going to run. They're going to walk. <laughs> they're going to be running down gonna the be runway. Running, running uh, in Beneath the Bark wooden jewelry. The bark. So, yeah, I'm going to have my own runway show for Beneath the Bark and uh, New York Fashion Week. Give me, so first of all, who's they? Like, who, like New York Fashion Week, like the entity emailed you, and then you are having your own show. Like, is there like, um, like a designer you're collaborating collaborating with for like the clothes? Like, how is all that happening? So it's 100. Um, me, like I decide everything uh, creatively. Uh, I choose the models, uh, what they wear, uh, clothing, everything, their shoes, their hair and makeup. You know, it's very that's super exciting. Exciting. How is that working? Are you picking models that are local there? Are you doing castings? Are you picking people here or so? Um, so they have, like, they cast all their models and then basically, like, I pick which ones, you know, okay. from them that they have in New York. This is exciting. So. So exciting. Very What scary. even, like, I don't even know the first thing about how that is pulled off. So what are your, what are the steps that you're taking right now to, to make that happen? Uh, right now I'm just, like, in the design process. So I'm just, like, trying to figure out what I want um, to showcase, um, which I'm so excited. I kind of, like, I'm just know exactly what I want already and I kind of uh-huh. can already see it so I feel really comfortable with like where I want to go creatively with it now it's just physically like getting it done. executing it yeah yeah and so you're just like flying to New York and showing up and you're like all right here's pretty my stuff. much yeah that's so exciting yeah I'm really excited how are you how are you preparing for that like financially like what do you have to do on your end for that uh save up a lot of money so. To actually make all the products and get there and yeah, and I mean there. just yeah. So, I mean, I have to you know get all the clothes and all that, and mm-hmm. you know make the stuff get like get there. What is what is your like direction for like the clothing? Are you like just gonna buy stuff that you like, or are you gonna find like a designer to collaborate with? I'm gonna find a designer to collaborate with. Um, I definitely have like the designs that I want. Like uh-huh. I know exactly how I want the clothes to look and the materials, mm-hmm. the colors, and all that. So, um, yeah, I have a few people in mind that I'm going to go to uh, and see if they want to be down. That is very cool. I'm glad you brought that up because that was on my list of things I wanted to ask you about because I saw you post that. Um, What, like, besides, was that even a dream of yours? Like, because if you didn't even know that you wanted to be a jewelry maker, like, was that even on your radar? So, I've always loved design. Like, I love fashion. I love clothes. I love shoes. I just love it all. Yeah. And I've always wanted to be invited to New York Fashion Week whether it was just you know doing anything just yeah, I just, just always just wanted go. to go yeah and so that was always a big dream of mine and whenever I got when I started making jewelry then it even became even more of a dream because I was like god I want to be invited to New York Fashion Week I want Beneath the Bark to be in New York Fashion Week and I never thought it was going to happen four years into business well but you the fact that you thought it meant that you put it out there and then it happened. (laughs) Oh, I believe 100% into that. I have so many crazy stuff like that that that's happened to me where I'm just like, this is no longer a coincidence. This is somebody or something or, I don't know, like some crazy voodoo juju here. Like, if you say it, then... You better say it because if you say it, then it usually ends up happening. 
um, which is also part of this podcast where I'm like, let me just talk to all these cool people I like and then see what happens from there. See, like <laughs> it. It's going great. Do what you want podcast. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what are some inspirations for you, like, fashion-wise? Like, who are some of the designers that you like? Like, where do you get your inspiration? Hmm. You know, just, I don't know, just in general, I get my inspiration from a lot of different things. Um, not anyone specifically. Uh, I just love out there stuff. Uh-huh. I love colors. I mm-hmm. love, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, you like the 70s. Yeah, I love the 70s. And I can look at someone, like, if I'm flipping through a magazine, I really, like, I look at their clothes and stuff, but I really look at the person. Mm-hmm. Because, really, you're designing for that person. You're designing for that character, the, that woman, that man, whoever they may be. You're, you are designing what they would wear, their personality. So do you have, like, an ideal client in your mind when you're designing or are you just kind of thinking of friends and different people per Um, piece really I think of uh just like the ultimate girl the ultimate beneath the bark girl like who's who is she is she like you or is she yeah 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 well you're cool (laughs) she's free and she likes to have a good time and she likes to get it done and she likes to do what she wants well that sounds like my kind of girl. Maybe she's my ideal client because I still don't have an ideal client and it drives me crazy because I have too many projects all the time and every single thing I do has like a different person in mind and so it's hard for me to like hone in on like a target audience because I have different audiences for my music photography versus my senior portraits versus my podcast versus my workshops. For, I mean, it's a different person for each thing and I never know. So it's cool that you have like someone in mind when you're designing. Well, it makes it a little easier. Every time I have an idea for, like, a photo shoot or something, you come to my mind. Well, when we did those first photos of you at that hair salon, so oh, I'll link that was so much this post in the show notes and the photos, but I got to photograph Molly for her album release party, or it was just the album release, right? I mean, yeah, basically. that was, like, five years ago. No, years. it was, like, three years ago. No, that was, like, two It was, like, 2016. Really? Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was, it was. Yeah, so, but, so Molly is, like, super, like, hot to try, and you're, like, in bell bottoms all the time, and you have, like, super colorful tattoos all up and down your arms, and you have, like, wooden jewelry that's handmade, and you're just, like, super cool. So we did these really (laughs) awesome photos in this old um, hair salon that was about to be demolished, like, the next day. Or not demolished, it was, like, it's gonna be renovated, and it was from the 70s, the decor had not been touched, and she was able to coordinate getting us to do photos there like the day before they renovated the whole place yeah it was meant to be yeah it it was was so cool and it was like the first person I really got to edit like with a vintage aesthetic on like client wise I had always like liked that aesthetic but never got to do it for clients because that's not what people really want when they hire me they want like you know general editing not like super 70s like grainy vintage aesthetic but so she wanted that which I was like oh finally someone fun I get to like collaborate with for something and um, those photos were some of my favorites still. And then just recently we did the bowling shoot for your jewelry company, and it was kind of the same thing, the super oh. 70s, colorful, crazy, so grainy aesthetic, and that was really fun. That's one of my favorite shoots I've done in a while. It was so much fun. I will link that one, too. Both of those, I think, I have my blog. But um, yeah, I still get compliments on those shoots. Too. Yeah, we still have some more fun yeah. ideas coming up. Hopefully we'll get to do those, too, because Molly has a really fun – like I for that kind of stuff um you're so sweet you're so sweet she has a good eye too you guys the pictures are amazing well thanks I feel like we naturally work well together yes we do um so what advice would you give to an aspiring jewelry maker or musician or 
creative person? Uh, my advice is don't let it get to you too much. Um, things are not going to work out. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. There's going to be parts where you where you step back and you're like, am I, am I doing this? Like, is this okay for me to do? Like, should I continue? Always yes. <laughs> yeah, always so, yes. It's going to suck, but you should keep on. <laughs> keep on, because let me tell you, it is not all rainbows. There are tough times. Yeah. You know, there is going to be markets where you go and you sell out, and then there's going to be a market that you don't sell anything. And it's, yeah. you can't overjudge yourself and think that you're a failure because you might have a bad month mm -hmm. or you might have a bad day or a bad market or anything. You're, it's, it's not you. Just keep moving forward and don't overjudge yourself or overthink anything. I think that's good advice. I think people, like you said, creatives put too much pressure on themselves and I'm super guilty of that too, but like where you can't, you put too much pressure on yourself in terms of something that's out of your hands. Like you mm -hmm. can't predict what the public's gonna do always and I mean you can have like the strongest branding and the most consistent client base but like there's still going to be times where like you can't predict like what the customer's going to do like you can't predict if everyone's going to see your Instagram post and like it or not maybe there was something that went on that day and they didn't get to their phone or maybe they couldn't make it to the market to buy your thing or maybe they forgot to email you back like it doesn't mean that you failed yeah it doesn't mean that you're bad or yeah. that you're whatever you know it's just and I haven't you know I learned that I did my first festival international like three, four years ago, mm -hmm. and the first time I did it, um, it was like a terrible storm came through, and my tent broke in half, and like I ended up having to like leave on the first day because like my whole setup was basically broken, demolished, and I was so upset, and I cried and cried and cried, and you know, after that moment, I realized, you know, you can't. You can't do anything about it. Yeah, you can't stress out over <laughs> things out of your control. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It wasn't, it was completely out of my control that a storm came. And you sometimes, so after that happened, things that didn't go my way, I laughed off. You're prepared for it. Because yeah. you kind of need, like, the the moments that kick you in the butt to happen. That way you can, like, get off of your high horse and just be like, yeah. okay. So. Nothing is perfect and nothing goes well every time. And yeah. So the things in the now in the future uh, of that when that happened, you know, one market I did and it rained and all my jewelry got rained on and stuff and I laughed so hard it was so funny because I didn't care anymore like yeah. it wasn't I, I it was out of my control there was nothing I can do except pick the pieces up and <laughs> you know try again next time. So do you find that having those experience experiences have made you more prepared in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's those cheesy quotes like you can't have sunshine without rain or all that because it's so true. <laughs> but it's like you really you can't know how good it is until you have something bad happen to yeah. know how bad it really was. So yeah, yeah I think it's good advice. Um, and would you say the same kind of for like the music industry and being a musician? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely, just don't take yourself so seriously and don't over don't over criticize yourself because I'm terrible at that. I'll listen to like old music that I've recorded and stuff and like can't stand some of it. Like I. Like, all the albums that I've ever put out, I, like, want to bury. Because I don't want to ever so hear good. It. And, like, people <laughs> love your voice and your music. So that's obviously just, like, you being um, self-critical, which it's hard when you're a creative person 
because your name's tied to everything and you're putting yourself out there and that's already so scary and so yeah. like you just want everything to be the best it can be yeah um and so it can suck when like you feel like it's not perfect but then 90 percent of the general public won't even notice and that's the thing it's all you like it it, over criticizing yourself it is only what you think in your head like yeah. no one else is thinking that yeah no one cares <laughs> it's really crazy though it's like all the things that I was, was so like oh did you hear that you didn't hear that in the song and they were like no I didn't hear that and I was like you didn't hear that little part of like something I hate like in the song it's hard to let it go though when you're such a perfectionist because it's your own work yeah I totally can relate to that well where can everyone find your music and your jewelry so me and Denton Hatcher are going to be um, recording our full-length um, joint album so we're very excited that's gonna come out in the next couple months exciting um, my jewelry you can find it um, I have a website it's beneath the bark um, you can find it at Wonderlust by Abby uh, that's on Perkins Road um, we do makers markets um, pop-ups so if you just go follow our Instagram at beneath the bark jewelry um, you can follow us and keep up to date yeah and it's really cool jewelry and people can buy stuff online too right oh yeah um, you can buy it you can um, select shipping or free pickup and everything or if you want something custom you can email me and I'll make you whatever you want that is the dream right there to just be able to like straight up ask you like hey can I get the Jordan necklace and you're like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, that's so cool um, well, thank you so much for coming on to Do What You Want Radio, Molly. Thanks for having me. No problem. I always love talking to you. Hey, y'all. Just popping in to give a big thanks to you for listening to this episode of Do What You Want Radio. As always, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and follow if you're on Spotify. Show notes for this episode and more can be found at dowhatyouwantradio.com. I am super active on my Instagram account at Jordan Heffler if you're interested in keeping up with me there. And I also have a weekly email newsletter that you can subscribe to at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Every Thursday, I send out a tip of the week along with promotional information about my Do What You Want workshop series, online e-courses that help you learn to create authentically branded content that leverage growth on your social media platforms all by yourself. I also have Lightroom presets, merchandise, and just general information about my life and photography business in these email newsletters. Y'all are so awesome for listening. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep doing what you want. (laughs) Did that sound too fake?